Welcome to It Didn't Break Me, a podcast where we have honest and vulnerable conversations around the messy stuff we didn't think we'd come back from, inspiring you to give yourself permission to discover the beauty within the mess and to let go the illusion of perfection. I'm your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes. Hello and welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. My name is Bianca Hughes and I am the host. Thank you so much for being here and listening to the podcast. This is season two and this is episode 11. So we have one more episode before this season ends. We have 12 episodes in a season. So stay tuned, get in. And if you have not listened to all the episodes, you're getting a chance to binge listen very soon. And I really do hope that the stories that you listen to each week are making a very meaningful and inspirational impact on your life. So I was talking to a friend of mine and even talking to my podcast manager, Bethany, who is so awesome, because I'd seen this thing about, well, what does this podcast provide? Like, what does it do for people? Because, you know, sometimes you have one idea that you uh, have an idea about a business or something that you're doing, and then actually people experience something else. So if you are listening for the first time, or you're listening because you're an avid listener, I'm sure you might relate to this, especially if you're an avid listener. But if you're wondering, why am I listening to this? What what am I going to get from this podcast? And the thing I want you to think about is that It Didn't Break Me provides hope. If you have ever questioned yourself, life, or if you can go on. Relatability. Whilst the stories may not be exactly the same as yours there's always something that you can capture and listen to and be like yeah I said that to myself or yeah I experienced something similar and that's what we call the ability to also connect right we as humans are wired to connect you've probably heard me say a few times but as humans we are wired to connect And when we feel connected, we don't feel so isolated and we don't just worry that we are alone and the only one thinking this or going through this issue. So hope, relatability and connection. And that comes from my guests being very open and vulnerable and transparent in the stories that they share. So without further ado, I'm going to go into this week's podcast episode. My guest is Robert Magnier. He has a great story to share. And I think what I love about this story and hearing him is I had no idea. Um, I know him. I've known him for a few years. And it's just always interesting hearing people's stories. And then you're like, oh, was this happening? I had no idea. So let's go ahead and get into the episode with Robert Magnier. So hello, Rob. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. Awesome. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here. My guests might know this, but I always like when I have a man on. (laughs) (laughs) Do you? (laughs) Yes, I do. I I think it's my own personal bias 
and uh-huh. um because i feel like people don't always hear the true voice and experience from men in a in an yeah. honest and vulnerable way so i like to have the men on here to show they are human so yeah. <laughs> so yeah. let's go let's get right into it um okay, cool. what is something you thought would break you but it didn't um it's interesting that you it's interesting that this kind of question comes up because you know there's a lot of different things throughout a life and I, I really believe this isn't a life of everybody but I feel like you know kind of even on the onset where you say you like having a man on on you know a lot of times men internalize so many different things so you're like it takes a minute to really think about like okay man that really could have broke me like um because we're so conditioned to push through mm. um you know man ain't supposed to cry uh shoulder it push through don't let anybody see your weakness um those types of different things right so you know just from the standpoint i think um <laughs> it is funny and we might i guess we can go deeper with this but honestly like i felt giving my all to god and trusting him was something that could have broke me and i know that probably mm-hmm. a lot of people don't understand that but when you're so used to doing things on your own and then you're saying all right let me get us to god like what do you mean i'm like nah like you know what i mean god is gonna fail i <laughs> i've 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 seen this story play out in many a church in my day like people trust god and people fail right like nah i'm not gonna do that but i think that overall throughout my life probably one of the biggest things is just saying you know what god i'm just going to trust you with my life and mm-hmm. you know that's kind of and that's where i kind of feel like um yeah that's real so i'm just gonna a little caveat in here <laughs> so the listener knows that he's a pastor <laughs> <laughs> he's willing to ministry him and his wife yeah but um and i'm gonna put that on there just because of the perception or the expectation um that's you know often put onto pastors and and those in ministry well to me everyone is in ministry mm-hmm. so what was that like for you when you struggled to give it all to God? It's interesting because like, you know, uh, we hear the cliche, you know, uh, let go and let God. Um, and we tend to give God some and not all, or we tend to think we give God something. We don't give him anything. Um, and so for me, it actually was towards the end of, 2020, 2020, 2021. Mm-hmm. And I explain why. So, you know, as you said, you know, me and my wife are pastors. Uh, I like to say pastors on pause <laughs> because <laughs> obviously with the whole COVID situation, things just got really, you know, really haywire. Um, and that really led to me um, having to self-examine. Now, prior to that, if you would have known me prior to that, um, the type of individual that I am, I have a grind or hustle attitude. Like I like to carry things, do things. Uh, I like winning, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) 
I, but I like winning with planning and, you know, perseverance and dedication and all these different things. So we started our church in 2015 and we started our church in 2015, right on the heels of us getting married, uh, literally right finding, you know, having our daughter the same, like within two weeks of us launching our church, right? Um, a lot, just doing a whole <laughs> lot. And it was like, okay, all right, this is how it's going to go. So man, I'm going to do this thing, right? So I'm preaching every Sunday, um, but people ain't coming. Mm. Uh, I'm inviting people left and right. People are coming and they're coming for one service and they're leaving. Um, I'm developing relationships with people through the span of a month or several years and something happened in the church and they're leaving. So no matter what I try to do, it just wasn't working. Mm. The whole idea thought that we were just going to have this, I won't say mega church because you kind of start off and you say, well, you know, yeah, we're going to have a great, it's not really a mega church. It's just a thriving church, a church that you know that people are coming because they enjoy it. You know, I love people. I love talking with people. Uh, I love talking in front of people. Right. So ah, it's going to be a breeze. You know, people are going to come. They're going to get excited. They're going to want to serve. They're going to want to do all these different things. And it just wasn't happening. Mm. On top of that, we got a baby at home. On top of that, uh, I'm the only one working, right? Uh, I actually told my wife to leave her job so she can have more flexibility in ministry and stuff like that. So that's something I shouldered, right? Mm -hmm. Making a minuscule amount of money. I shouldered that. But I was going to make it work. You know, and so this is the whole, this is leading up to the breaking point. Like we had a church for six years mm -hmm. and we saw things happening, but we also saw things falling and crumbling to where in the middle of 2020 to early 2021, me and my wife are looking at each other, wondering if we're going to make it mm. right. Make it in what way? In our marriage, mm. the whole idea, obviously, being a pastor, as your ministry is at home is first. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of that went neglected. A lot went neglected. A lot became me trying to shoulder everything, keep it from my wife knowing things, because I didn't want to see her bothered. I didn't want to see her hurt. Didn't want to see anything like that. So trying to be that protector in so many different ways, it begins to stretch you. Mm -hmm. You start doing things you never thought that you would do because you're getting weak, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're hearing, you're, you're, you're wanting people to pour into you and people only certain people can really pour into you and talk to you because you can't talk and talk to your members and say about how things are just going crazy, right? You got to be that, you got to be that strong point because at the end of the day, a lot of the reasons why people are looking at you in the first place is because you're a leader. You can offer some kind of guidance. Mm. You can offer something to them, but who do we go to? Of course, I have friends, my spiritual father, things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, at night, even when my wife is asleep, it's just me. It's just me and God. So here I am telling people to trust God and believe God and all these different things. And I wasn't doing it myself. 
Mm. I was trusting me. Um, what did that look like when you were trusting you instead of God? Like you kind of mentioned you were doing things that you didn't think you would do. Um, that's where that hustle mindset come in. That comes in like, all right, I'm not making enough money. I'm going to make enough money. You know mm. what I mean? I got to sell this. If I'm going to sell it, I'm going to sell it. I don't care. Pawn shop, whatever it is to keep things going, to keep lights on. Mm. Ended up losing some things anyway, right? Cars, lost. You get in a cycle, and, and a lot of pastors can relate. You get in a cycle of saying you're doing all of this for God, but really what you're trying to do is really you're trying to save face for yourself. Oof. You're wanting to be that guy or that woman or that power couple that you see that's uh -huh. modeled before you. Um, so you tend to make stretches in what I like to say, manufacture the blessing instead of allowing God to bestow the blessing on you. Um, Hold on a minute. You see it all the time. What'd you say? I love that. Manufacturing the blessing yeah. instead of it being, oh, I can relate to that. I I could raise my hand. <laughs> yeah, we do it. Like God said, I'm going to get Mercedes Benz, right? So the next Mercedes Benz we see, even though it has 250,000 miles, a 30% interest rate, God said, I'm going to get a Benz. So now in my mind, this is the Benz for me. Mm -hmm. I just manufactured that. Mm -hmm. Or me looking at something as a blessing, right? And I'm the one that took all the steps to get, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To get mm -hmm. it. Like, I'm the one that did that. God didn't open that door. God didn't do that. So, and then I put it on God to say, God gave it to me. And then when I lose it, God, why did you take it from me? Mm. God's like, I didn't give it to you in the first one. That was you. You manufactured that. And those are the, those are the things that, that, that I did. Um, I, I mean, I didn't sell drugs. I didn't go hit the street and try to be an escort or nothing like that. Right. <laughs> I didn't do that. Uh, I ain't steal nothing, but I mean, it was anything from, like I said, I would have possession, you know, things taken to the pawn shop, robbing Peter to pay Paul. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You got money over here. You pay this over there. Then you try to buy some time to pay this. And you, as soon as you get that money, blah, 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 ask the people, you know, for money, you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that, just trying to uh, save face. Mm -hmm. um, and none of it worked. At the end of the day, my marriage was still messed up. I still didn't own anything. Yeah, I had a church behind and bills in the church. Still had members that were leaving. <laughs> so literally looking back over everything, what do I have? nothing. Mm. I can look at my kids and say that, okay, I got kids that I had to live for. And those are the driving motivations. But at the end of the day, sometimes you look back and be like, man, do they even care? Or am, is life better off just with me gone, period? You start wow. playing with those games. Start thinking those things. A lot of people don't know that. Like I don't, I don't tell people 
the heavily depressive state that I got into, things start failing. And then you really don't mm. know which way is up. You mm -hmm. think you're doing the right thing and you're not. Uh, and then you look back over your years and you realize, like, you think you haven't changed, but you really have mm -hmm. in a number of ways. And so when I say that I had to learn to really give things to God, it's a couple things. It's number one, allowing to him, allowing him to expose to me my faults, not expose to everybody else. I could give up. Mm -hmm. I don't care what everybody else. I don't care. Right? That's one thing about me. People can think anything about me, feel anything about me. I don't care what you think about me. So what shifted what God you when you got into this place, you're, you're thinking about having these, you know, I kind of call them passive suicidal thoughts, not that you're going to do anything, but that questions of, uh -huh. should I be anymore? Am I making more of a problem? What would it be like? Like those, how I kind of identify those. And I think it's so helpful that you're sharing that one a lot of men go through that and people don't talk about that men but i know it's been really big with black men um um depression and then also um, mm -hmm. suicide so so i thank you for sharing that because because i can imagine how hard that can be what shifted or what caused you to shift away from that well the self-realization or really god showing me that like I mm -hmm. could lose everything, number one. Um, and honestly, looking back over my life and really recognizing how much God has really been there for me, um, how many times that, you know, I've been alone in certain things, failed in certain things. And this is pre-marriage, you know, this is from losing friends to, uh, you know, having issues on jobs to um, all kinds of things, right? And it was like, God was kind of reminding me of some things and I, I started having an attitude shift. And then realizing that like, I did not want to ever walk away from my life or my marriage without saying I tried my best. Mm. Okay. Um, you know, I could, we could have gotten a divorce and all of this stuff. And I could look back and you would have asked me, did you do everything you could do? And I would have been like, no. And just that mindset alone to say, you know what? Let me just continue to, or let me, let me, let me learn this thing that I'm teaching so much about trusting God and trusting God means letting go of some things and whatever, whatever happens, happens. I used to always say this, especially when we were going through our things with marriage is that there was this game when I was a kid um, that I used to play on a computer and it, it was called, called Chinese something. And there was this, 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 this guy, there was a lot of poles that was, he was in a room, there was a lot of poles and then he would spin these plates mm -hmm. right on each pole and so if you have one plate on one pole, it's easy, right? But the more you added plates on poles, it was harder to keep them all spinning. And so it was like God gave me a visualization of stop spinning the plates, mm. right? 
and I let them all fall, however they fall. Um, that was everything from letting my job go at the time, Ooh. which I honestly, and my wife probably would beg to differ, but I honestly feel like it was a God move um, because I was so tied up in it and it changed me. I was a different person. Um, I was so enthralled in it, right? Um, just even, you know, going to therapy mm -hmm. with me and my wife in the place where we really couldn't even stand each other. Separation, right? Me moving back with my parents. Just even learning to, telling the church, hey, listen, it's been real. I appreciate you all. We appreciate you all. But at the end of the day, what's the point of giving ourselves to something and everything else is going to be lost, mm. right? Uh, I'd done enough compromising to keep a building. Mm -hmm. I'd done enough compromising to, you know, satisfy what everybody else thought, you know? Uh, and when I, because it's weird, because I, I know I said that I don't care about what people think, but then again, you know, it's more so like, I don't care what they necessarily think about me and my character, mm -hmm. but I do care about what people think about like me and my family. And, you know, we're supposed to keep this, this um, idealistic view of how the black family is supposed to be mm -hmm. and how the church family is supposed mm -hmm. to be and trying to live up to that standard. Mm -hmm. Right. So there are still standards that you want to live up to um, that, you know, ultimately is tied to, you know, it is tied to what, what people think. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm sitting here standing in front of my congregation at the end of April or May last year and saying, Hey, um, this is the last Sunday we're going to be open. This is how it drops. Not we going to go on four or five, 10 more weeks and we're going to set up a transition. No, this is it. Unless you all can really say something to change my mind. This is it. So that's, I know that was a hard step, but that's so courageous to me because it's like, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not being authentic. Everything is falling apart and I'm no longer going to stand here and act like it's not falling apart. Right. That's, and, and I'm thinking black church, Christians, <laughs> expectations, and talking and gossip and da, da 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 all of that stuff, but you still did it. Yeah. Still did it. Um, and I let go of I guess the hustle piece comes in is I let go of me trying to do everything. Mm -hmm. Just like I said, the plates, letting the plates fall. God, if you want this church, well. At this point, you're going to have to come down from heaven and say, hey, keep it going. Mm. Not saying it won't ever happen again. Not saying that because, like I said at the beginning, pastors on pause, right? I do know that the call is there. I do know that in the midst of us having church and not many people ever really coming, there was a nucleus of people in our church that I literally saw God 
moved them and changed them, right? Mm-hmm. I was so scared to say, hey, we're closing, but I'll tell you something about our congregation that is so amazing. Mm-hmm. Every last one of them was like, number one, if you're going to lose your family, let this go. Mm-hmm. And then every single last one of them, I was able to see everything that we had deposited into them for that amount of years. And now I'm able to see them walk it out. See, a lot of times we depend on people to come to church, to pay the bills, to come to church, to be the members, to serve and all these different things, but we're never paying attention to what we deposit into them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What I deposited into them and what Chrislyn pos- deposited into them is something that they really have, which is a real relationship mm. with God. Yes. That no matter what goes on in their life, they know that God is with them, no matter how deep and nasty and crazy that it gets, they still know that God is with them. And I see that. I can see on social media when they're going through hell and high water, and I can see that they're still trusting God because before, before they were at our church, they were talking about suicide. They were talking about all these different types of things. They were talking about giving up, caving in and quit. But now you don't see that. Now, actually, they struggle to find to find another church because they're just like, okay. Uh, and so they do things. They watch our old sermons. Yeah. Stuff like that is encouraging, right? Because yeah. it's just like, wow, like, even though we were in the midst of all the crazy stuff, we were giving what we knew to give based off of whether the glimpse that God has given us Mm -hmm. or the relationship that we have with God or just knowing without a shadow Mm -hmm. of a doubt, even though I might be going through this hell, I know that this is true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's so So. true. That's so true. I tell people that all the time, like, and I, and I remind myself, it's not about how I feel. It's not about what I'm going through. It's what I know. And there's one thing I know that I know I'm rooted in is I know God. Yeah. I know who yeah. God is. I know who he is to me. And I'm knowing this relationship, even when it doesn't feel like it. And I think that's so, even when it feel like it. yeah, that's so powerful. Like you said. So what did the shift start to look like? How did things start to change? Oh, uh, well, once that happened, um, we, you know, we started going to counseling. I think we had already started going to counseling, but once that happened, um, there were some, uh, some checks that obviously that I had to do, we, you know, we were doing counseling together. I was doing it individually and it was literally like, I, um, I'm giving myself the permission to reset and restart. I had already gotten another job, uh, earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was happy that I gotten another job, a better job, paying me more money, which allowed me to even have the financial freedom that, I couldn't see because we were so caught up in church. One thing about it is that when you are a pastor of a smaller church, a lot of things also depend on you, right? Mm -hmm. So when I was able to let those go, a lot of things opened up. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we were able to work on our marriage. Um, We were able to work on each other individually, right? I was able to spend time now with my kids and see things, my kids do things. I was able to wake up on a Sunday morning without thinking, oh my God what am I going to preach about again? Mm. Um, No more Saturday night specials, what you call, where you do the Saturday night cramming for Sunday morning. Because see, I'm a planner, right? So I would get so frustrated because I would be so caught up in work and doing everything during the week. Sometimes the only day I could study was Saturday and that would drive me up a wall Mm. because I'm a person that likes to give me an hour, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 
put a bow on it Saturday and I'll hit that thing on Sunday and I'm good, right? I hated Saturday night specials, but it had got to a point where Saturday nights were rough. And as a matter of fact, the crazy part is I could see myself starting to trust God in the last three to four months of us pastoring. And here's why. I, I know I was saying, God, I don't have it anymore. And you could even see it in my messages. There's a freedom there because that was not me. That was not my plan. That was not my structure. That was not even a Saturday night special. That was a Sunday morning saying, God, I trust you 1000%. And he was teaching me then, I got you. I got you. I got you. So literally the last three to four months of our church, that was the freest that I had ever been to be able to preach the entire time we had it. <laughs> really? My messages. Yes. Like <laughs> I could go back and I could look at my messages and I'm sitting here like, and not to say I didn't have good messages. Yeah. But they were structured and organized and all these different things. I was very conversational the last few months, very engaging the last few months. You can see the pitch and hear the pitch and the intonation and the, the pauses and all that stuff because it was not me. It was me literally trusting God to be able to deliver this message. Mm -hmm. And I could see how he was working there and then in other places. Um, so we bought a house. Mm -hmm. You know, we set our focus on our family, buying a house together, learning how to take trips. Mm. Uh, learning how to celebrate each other, learning how to just relax. So Sunday morning, I'm not going to church nowhere. Okay. I'm laying in bed. Kids are probably jumping in bed with this, yes. But <laughs> <laughs> laying in bed, getting up, not doing anything. And I remember I was headed over to my parents' house and God spoke to me. It's like, you got to forgive yourself mm. and allow yourself to heal. And I was like, okay, what does that look like? <laughs> That's God, a great question. We, <laughs> we got, we have this, yeah. What does that look like? Right. God says, I, I kid you not. I, my kids were not in the car at the time. I kid you not. God said, change the station on the radio, because every Sunday morning, you're putting on this worship music, and blah, 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 you're going through the motions. He said, change the station. All right. Change the station. Who are some of your favorite artists? Now, people at my church, they know favorite artists, UGK, Outkast, A-Ball, MJG, stuff like that, mm -hmm. right? There was never any way that I ever would have listened to any of that stuff on a Sunday morning during church, before church, or even after church, right? God said, put on what you like to listen to. Nah. People be like, nah, got it. No, seriously. I can believe this is why that. People, 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 they so over-spiritualize God and they think, you know, you're listening to secular music. You don't have a relationship with God. No, this is coming from somebody who God said, change the station and be you, doggone it. Mm. All right. Change the station. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Felt a little weird. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But God said, I need you to be you and I need you to heal. Next thing I know, there's no need for me to 
listen to anything. I can turn the radio off. I can listen to worship music. I can listen to my favorite UGK or trap music. And I'm good. Mm -hmm. And I still hear God. And I'm still the jovial me. And I'm not uptight anymore. I'm chill. Ooh. And God is like, do the same thing. Watch what you want to watch. Freedom. You ain't got to watch me on Sunday morning. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got to watch, yeah. you know, your spiritual dad on Sunday morning. So me and my wife, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we get opportunity. We'll drop the kids off at my parents' house and we'll go brunch. Mm -hmm. Just something totally away. Has the need for things to be perfect prevented you from something that you wanted to do? Sing karaoke, write a book, create a podcast, but you just don't feel like you have enough or you know enough or that you're even enough? I get it. I have been in the depths of perfectionism where I attach my performance to my self-worth. So I wrote the ebook I wish I had when I first discovered I was struggling with perfectionism. In It's Okay to Be Imperfect, I help you identify and understand perfectionism in your life so that you can successfully manage your thoughts. It includes practical tips and resources to implement in your daily life for you to take back your life from perfectionism and begin to truly see yourself outside of your performance. Grab your copy of It's Okay to Be Imperfect. Link is in the show notes. Yeah. And God is in the midst of that. Cause um I was having the conversation with a friend of mine recently and we was talking about seasons and all this. And I don't always go to church anymore as much as I used to. And I tell people that and I had this whole thing like, Am I doing the wrong thing? Am I being the right Christian? And I realized, because, you know, I don't do it as much as I used to or as passionate the same. And what had happened was I had shifted in the way I related to God. Yeah. So I was more in tune with my mental and my emotional and my body and taking care of my body yeah. and going for walks and connecting with God in nature and really focusing on yeah the relationship with me and with others and God was in the midst of that. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Oh, this is different because like you said, why am I listening to this music? And I change, I change the station. And then sometimes I'm like, Oh, I don't want to listen to that. Let me listen to this. And it's so right. freeing. You're not forcing yourself. You're like, oh, I don't, you know, and you're actually listening to the song and I'll probably listen to it for like 10, 15 minutes. I'm like, oh, I'm over this. Yeah. I mean, let's be yeah. honest. I can't clean my house to, to Maverick City. I have to listen right. to 90s R&B music or some Michael right. Jackson. Like, I'm not. Yeah, something, right? <laughs> if I'm going to clean the house. um, And so I totally, totally relate to that. When you're rooted in God, it does start to shift in terms of how you relate and interact. When we look at the Bible, and we look at the disciples. The disciples spend a lot of time with Jesus, right? You know, three and a half years spent all the time with Jesus and everything. And we tend to think that spending time with Jesus like that was better. Mm. That's what we teach. 
That's what we believe. Spending time with Jesus like that was better. Like, oh my God, man, if I was the disciples, man, I wouldn't have did this. I would have did that, blah, blah, Like we say that, right? But come on, dummy, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. We have a closer relationship with God now than they ever did in that three and a half years. So like you say, you're doing something. Ah, I don't want to listen to this anymore. God is still with you. Uh, I'm going to listen to this. God is still with you. Um, so the whole idea is that if they had a good relationship with him on a physical standpoint, how much closer can I be with him now because mm -hmm. he resides on the inside of me? So then, like you say, I'm connecting him with him with nature. I'm connecting, you know, driving in the car with the radio off. I'm connecting with him because all at the end of the day, when we think when we think and we hear something called pray without ceasing, we think that that means that we're always supposed to be in a state of prayer. No, it's just acknowledging that God is there with you every step mm -hmm. of the way. You know, people that don't spend no time in church that will tell you that God is with them all the mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need church people to tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. We just need to recognize it, but we've been conditioned to feel like we got to get God at church. Yes, church could be is an amazing thing. We have can develop community at church and great friendships at church and all those different things. But at the end of the day, what we learned in 2020, when the church door closed, it's you and God, baby. Yeah, that's true. It's you that's and God. True. That's true. So where are you today? Um, today I'm enjoying my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I am, you know, the call is still there. Obviously my wife have discussions on what it will look like to begin again, having some type of structured weekly services. Not sure if it's the whole building thing, a virtual thing, but, um, uh, I'm more freer. I'm more confident in myself. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I had let, like I said, I had let everything go as far as uh, me trying to carry everything. And because of that, we're much in much better place as far as our marriage is concerned, as far as our family's concerned, financially. Um, I never thought I would actually be here. Mm. Like, and I don't mean to brag, but I'm making close to triple what I was making mm -hmm. at my other job. <laughs> and I was making a good amount at my other job. Mm -hmm. Um, which allowed me to be more financially free. We're not spending money out of my pocket to pay for church buildings and things like that nature. I'm better at developing my relationships with my friends now. I'm able to spend more time. And also the, the amazing thing is like, it's more about a one-on-one -on -one ministry thing with me now. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like I can check on one person. I can check on one person good, or I can check on five people and stay in their life and encourage them good. You know what I mean? It's more of a personal relationship thing with me now. Um, trusting God is is kind of like, I'm not stressing. Mm -hmm. I don't have no hair. <laughs> My grays, they gotten a lot grayer, you know? <laughs> um, I'm not stressing. I am literally enjoying life and I'm enjoying life with God and my family. And whatever comes, comes. I know there are always going to be challenges. There are always going to be issues. Mm -hmm. But now I know, like, 
I don't have to carry it all myself. So when I'm faced with a situation that I can't overcome, mm -hmm. God show me the way. If not, let it go. If I'm faced with a situation now, even with my wife, being communicable about that and just saying, hey, you know what? That's not me. I can't do it. And whatever comes with it, comes with it. Of course, I need practice because I don't always do it, right? <laughs> it's a work in progress thing, but it's about the journey. Everything is about the journey and saying, you know what? Mm -hmm. I'm learning to say no. I'm learning to say not right now. I'm learning to say I need help. Yes. And that's what I feel is the most freeing is just being able to say, hey, you know what? I need help. Okay. I can't do it alone. That's so good. Well, thank you. Yeah. I have a quick question. When you went yeah. to therapy or counseling, was it Christian counseling or more of the um, clinical? Clinical. Um, I was cautious of that. Okay. I started out years ago. I did went to a Christian counselor. That's fine. That's cool. I went to clinical. I went to, here's, I did this on purpose. A black male mm -hmm. for me. Nothing against women. Definitely nothing against my sisters. Shout out <laughs> to you. Right. Um, but a black man can relate mm -hmm. so much more to the things I'm internalizing that I don't know how to speak. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. I found that when going to uh women, especially they talk to you from a sense, from a place of their own hurt. Mm. So you got to realize like, yeah, I'm going through all this stuff, but I do have a strong sense of discernment. So when you're talking to me in saying things out of a hurt place, I can pick up on it immediately. Mm -hmm. I had a woman, woman therapist, she was saying all kinds of stuff that was literally tearing me down mm -hmm. on the inside. Yeah. Saying to me, uh, everybody can't be Barack Obama. What? 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 You know, maybe your husband, and saying to us, maybe your husband uh, doesn't, you know, he's limited and, and he can't. No, wait a minute. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about limitations. Everybody has limitations, right? But don't tell me that I can't grow in an area. And don't tell me that I'm not as astute as who you think is astute, because at the end of the day, one of the reasons why I got this job now is because of my technical acumen. So you can't sit here and tell me that I hustled my way mm -hmm. into almost making $200,000 a year. Mm -hmm. You feel me? Yeah. So we're not going to do that. So while you're tearing me down, that's your issue and that's your problem. And it's the last time we're seeing you. Now, I didn't say that. <laughs> But, That's how you uh, felt. When it came time yeah. to rebook, yeah. No, I ain't going back. So I I asked that, um, and thank you for sharing because I deal mm -hmm. with that being a Christian, and then I'm a clinical therapist, and you know sometimes it, it we do get torn down in the Christian community, um, mm -hmm. and I just think it's I just I was kind of curious uh in mm -hmm. case the listener was wondering and was like well should I and shouldn't I and I can talk about it all day but hearing it from someone else um perspective is always helpful yeah okay cool yeah. thank you so you, mm -hmm, go ahead 
Which, and one thing to add, and because I know we got to wrap, but like I looked for somebody who respected my faith. Mm-hmm. You know, they maybe they didn't believe what I believe, but you respected how important faith was in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's what I looked for. You know, I didn't want to go to somebody who would have just been like, ah, you know, you believe in this anyway. No, this is what I believe. Like, this is a foundation. Yeah. So don't tear that out of me, yeah. you know? So that's there. So Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And and it's the same for me. It's like, if someone comes and they're not a believer, I don't say, oh, you have to do this or switch it. I'm going right. to be like, this is what works for you. Okay, let me work with this. Right. Um. So the question I always like to ask everyone, what's something that's messy in your life? It could be something emotional or um, physical. Uh, I always just like to ask that fun question. Messy? What's messy in my life is my eating. (laughs) Okay. Like, I'm like this, and I'm like this because of uh, I'm an emotional eater. Okay. You know? So even though I can be happy, jovial, all these different things, something don't go my way. The one thing that I can tr- control is what I eat. So I want to pig out, doggone it. I'm going to go get me some jerk chicken, uh, extra large oxtail <laughs> or jerk chicken, and I'm going to stuff my face with it. I'm going to feel bad afterwards, but I'm going to do that, right? I'm going to get the Talenti ice cream or something. I'm going to eat the whole thing. I'm going to feel bad afterwards, but, you know, I can control it. So I think that's the messiest thing about me is that like, man, like, mm-hmm. yeah, my, my, my eating is just kind of like all over the place. So y'all gonna have to, you know, pray for me. on. Okay. That. We will. So <laughs> um, where can people find you to shower you with love? Yeah, you can find me um, on Instagram, uh, the bar church still got the the handle there or RJ McNair live. If you want to kind of follow me personally, I don't really do much on that one. Uh, Facebook and um, LinkedIn, uh, RJ McNair, LinkedIn. I do a lot of networking mm-hmm. um, in my IT space. So you can do a lot of public speaking in that space. So LinkedIn as well. Look up uh, RJ McNair on LinkedIn and that's where you can get me. That probably am on that mostly than anything nowadays. Okay, great. Well, I'll definitely put that in the show notes. Um, okay. And thank you so much um, for being on the show, Rob. Really do appreciate you All being right. here. Thank you for having me. I actually had a therapy session today that I didn't have to pay for. No, I'm playing. <laughs> but thank you for just giving me the opportunity to be able to share with your people. Hopefully there's something that I said, even if it's like a sentence that can help somebody and change their life. So definitely thank you for having me on the show. You're welcome. Man, oh man. Whew. That was, I don't know if I have words, but it was an interesting conversation. I love when I think the conversation is going to go one way and, you know, this is going to be the story. And then it's just a whole nother thing, which is a good thing because I'm learning as you are learning. Like, I don't know every single detail, you know, of course I don't, because I'm not that person. So, so thankful for Rob being on the show and sharing a very personal story. Here are a couple of my takeaways. First one is what happens when you let go and trust God and whoever you may believe in, but he was specifically talking about for him, what it looked like for him to let go and trust God and not trying to manufacture all these, um, trying to manufacture money or all these opportunities, but just to step back and let go. And I can totally relate to that. 
I know every time I try to hold on and it's like I hold on tighter and tighter and nothing changes and I get more frustrated. But as soon as I take a step back, things start to fall in place. The other thing also is the importance of taking, he didn't say this, but I'm going to say this, the importance of taking people off of a pedestal and remembering they're human. Now, I think this is for me and this for all of us out there, right, who look at a person's life and think, well, I know for me, people, some people may look at me and think, well, you're a therapist and, you know, your life is together. You have all the tools and tricks in the trade. So problems just don't bother you. And it's not true. And I think also, you know, being a an expectation of people being a pastor is that they know God's word, they know God. So they're just going to know how to fight every single battle. Um, and that's just not the case. And I think that once we take people off a pedestal, it really helps us to not compare right so i think that's the importance of taking people off a pedestal because when we compare to someone on a pedestal we tend to feel inferior and lastly things can change when you're willing to make some changes when you're willing to take those steps to you know, start changing, it can happen. Um, For Rob, that was, he was almost at the stage, pretty much at the stage of divorce. I mean, they were separated. They were living in separate houses and all of these things. And he had to take a step back and be willing to make a change, even to the part they said they're, um, I can't remember his word. I think it was pastors in, in, in remission or pastors taking a break, something like that. And so that's a big change, right? Because sometimes we can expect so much for the pastor to keep going and not take a break. And because of him taking a break and taking a step back, he was able to, you know, rebuild his marriage and reconnect to God, reconnect to himself and reconnect to his wife and his children. And that does take change. And, and, and I think it's important to also know that... You have to maintain that change. It's not that you're going to go back to what you knew. So I hope that was helpful. I would love to hear your feedback and what your takeaways were. And I'm sure Rob would too. So make sure you tag him. Information is in the show notes. Um, And just tag me or send me a a message um, on Instagram, authentically be you. So thank you so much. Were you inspired by this story? Here are some ways you can shower me and the podcast with your appreciation and support. Follow, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Share the podcast via text with your people, with your tribe. Subscribe to the newsletter where I share my personal stories of discovering the beauty within the mess. And lastly, follow me on Instagram at authenticallybeyou for tips and insights on overcoming perfectionism so you can embrace your imperfections and authentically be you. Thank you so much for listening to the It Didn't Break Me podcast and remember to discover the beauty within the mess.